0: <laughs> this is Podaholics. My name is James Pikeway, and you are listening to the PowerWorks show with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive. He is the man who can make any vehicle right. Glenn Power's here. We're going to be talking about cars and a whole bunch more. PowerWorks begins right now. <laughs> there we go. This.
1: this. There's some cars that nobody can make right.
0: <laughs> you you did send me that nice picture of the backside of a Toyota Land Cruiser, and uh, you you didn't have very many kind words for that thing. Oh no, I've I've lost Glenn. He's he's already gone. <laughs> I'm now seeing his hands. <laughs> he's there somewhere. There he, oh, hold on, he's back.
1: Got a right mess going on here. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's, it's it's the power of doing a podcast and the power, and I don't mean this as a pun, but the power of getting that technology to work and getting the technology to sort of come together. Here we are, and at this very moment, as we're looking at the PowerWorks podcast, I'm here and Glenn is not. <laughs> he was here, and for a very short moment, I was looking at him, inverted, inverted, And for a very short moment, I was getting a a spectacular look at his keyboard. But at this moment, this very second, there's no Glenn. Which means maybe we're going to do the PowerWorks podcast over the phone. So let me just see if that might not be the way to go. And if it is, well, we just do it over the phone. It's It's as simple as that. So let's see if we can't get Glenn on the phone and see where it goes. Because you know what? Phone is old school technology that works really good. <laughs> Here we go. We're calling Glenn live on the PowerWorks podcast. He's ringing. But you know what? He's also going to be worried that it's someone else calling. Hey, James. So I, I was just thinking, why don't we do it old school? <laughs>
1: no, I'm in, uh, I'm in now. The oh, problem yeah? was my phone rang literally as soon as we started. So oh, yeah. I ain't
0: Okay. Me out. okay so
1: cool. I just, uh, I'm just downloading it on the... Uh just joining in from the laptop.
0: All right. Excellent. Okay. Sounds cool, man. So then we'll oh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll just, uh, I'll let you go off the phone and you will be back live here in, in just a second. So let's let's let it rock and roll. Cool. <laughs> okay. Talk to you in a second. Cheers, man. Bye. Yeah, that's Glenn Power. <laughs> so we're doing the PowerWorks podcast. You know what? I'm gonna leave this running. Why take anything off? Why, you know, let anything go anywhere? It's the power of how long, no pun intended, of how long I can keep talking till he gets back on the air. And so what are we gonna talk about today? And that's always becomes an interesting thing. Now, first up off the bat, becomes a very interesting predicament that I notice with Glenn because Glenn obviously is is running the PowerWorks Garage, and as you will know. For many, many, many years, I've been taking my vehicles over to Rage Performance Garage with, you know, the folks over there, and Sam, who's been doing wonders with the old Jeep Wranglers. Sam has moved back to the dealership, moved back to the franchise, and, and I sort of went, man, I take my cars to get fixed because of Sam. So I've moved myself over to the Powerworks Garage because, hey, you know what? I've basically been interviewing my mechanic now for, you know, three. Years or so, so, so I have a good idea what it, what what's going on there. And I gotta say, very interesting thing. When Glenn gets back online here, is he's working in a garage now? And anyone ever been into a garage lately? Would anyone ever put a car up on a lift? Raise your hand. Of course you have. What do you notice when you put your car in a lift? You've got grease. You've got oil. You've got all sorts of other consumables. Maybe it is hydraulic fluid. I don't know what kind of car you're driving if you got a hydraulic fluid. So let's go with power steering fluid, power brake fluid, antifreeze, window wiper, washer, liquid, everything stains. So typically when you look in a, in a garage, in a workshop, you got guys wearing blue pants. You got guys wearing black stuff. Glenn is the most efficient mechanic on the planet. This man wears white and how he does not get those things dirty, I don't know. But I also know that he's under the car. He's got bondo going for stuff that he's working to fix for my vehicle. He's got transmission oil. He's got grease, and yet he is the man from Glad with hair, and he looks totally clean. And now I've been rambling on, and we still got no sign of the Glen man. He's going to be here. I'm I'm certain of it but I am not seeing them so we're going to we're just going to you know we're going to we're going to keep talking and and maybe maybe what we need to do is cross over the show and put on a little lorne riley now, now that might be the other option and you can never get enough lorne riley and and in particular the song that I'm just liking these days so that's it right there 20 years
2: Seemed like yesterday. Left town on this train, just had to get away. Left you behind, nearly lost my mind. Main Street ain't quite the same as a walk, it's quite a mile. Half a bit's been boarded up, missing teeth in a weary smile. It feels so strange. So much has changed Where are you now? 20 years Now I find People than I know 20 years Press rewind Realize that I can't go. No one's walking far two broken hearts And a real lady Night Store shuts down at three now they're just empty sky where the water tower used to be still have this bar wonder where you are sawmill only runs one shift in the banks of cash machine and the trains that rumble through are few and far between it feels so strange so much has changed
0: Find a way to meet. Oh, there he time, is. <laughs> oh, to we're, gonna, we're gonna put Lauren Riley. Riley on hold. <laughs>
2: <mine>. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> How
0: we How we good? We're good. I was just listening to a little Lauren Riley. So uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you ever listen to any Lauren Riley. Uh, No, you got to give Lauren Riley a listen. Now, the reason I say this, Lauren Riley uh, is now doing I mean, besides the blues that he does, and some of the new projects that he does, he's now doing some country music, fellow Canadian, who just happens to be the director of communications for Dubai airport. And he calls me young. (laughs) a lot to like about this guy i'm telling you and and he does country and western now so uh you know and and you know talk about you know he was in nashville he was telling me in february and he 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 got a contact who just happens to be good friends with taylor swift's dad who kind of hooked him up with some i'm thinking there you go this guy's this guy's golden yeah it's exactly so um you know i've just kept the thing going (laughs) I, I haven't turned it off. Just, you know, we were talking, we were talking on the phone, and, and then I thought, you know, let's just listen to some music. It's, pre- it's pretty much the, the variety show. <laughs>
1: Probably the best episode we've done then.
0: Well, and I did have quite a comment about uh, consumables in automobiles and the fact that, especially the guy who was cleaning the floor the other day when I, I dropped by your, your shop, and, you know, everyone there is wearing black and brown and blue and whatever, but you the man from Glad of automotive repair wears white. And I thought that's pretty, that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I've got a white one on today as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's completely clean, yet you're under the cars. So I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I thought it was interesting. It's all in here. It works <laughs> smart. I got a little bit of feedback on uh from my brother about our, our show and the yeah. feedback was that he was he was kinda of taken back that I called him a midget. And you know, and in context, with you being freakishly tall and him being freakishly short, I thought, you know, the the day you two meet, it'll all come together. So uh that's kinda of nice. Yeah, but
1: we just couldn't work on it. We we couldn't work on a car together. He'd
2: have
0: to Oh, <laughs> well, he'd have to be standing on a box or two. Well and, I'd have to just lay down. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the case anyway. It's always the case. Well, and and I gotta say, he sent me some pictures of his backyard. So he's got Dougie is doing some work on a boat. And I don't know if it's Dougie changing the motor on a boat, and you can if Dougie's doing that, you know that he's putting a Hemi or something into it. And then my brother shows me his boat. He's got a, a red yak, a redneck boat boat barn, is what my brother's got. And you know, basically that means he's got a you know I, I think it's about a 15 foot aluminum thing with a 15 horsepower engine underneath pallets, and he's just got it kind of yeah. sitting there waiting. It's it's the redneck boat barn, and you know that's pretty uh, much no. it. Yeah. But uh, talk about talk about a cool thing. The my, my brother, who's got the redneck boat barn, who's also could be classed as a midget, also goes by the name of uh, Joey Woo Woo, and uh, it turns out that Joey Woo Woo now has a new name that I've coined, and I call him Joey Chernobyl because he's working on motors and and gear that's used in nuclear power plants. Well, there you
1: go. I know no, it's,
0: it's not
1: it's not sort of. Contaminated is it? He's got to wear PPE. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. If it's used. It's going to be a problem. If it's used. It's going to be a problem. I,
0: I don't know how contaminated it is. He had to go for some. You know, I don't know. I mean, who, who knows? But they use it for pulling stuff out of reactors. So I don't know. I call him Joey. Tur- Joey Chernobyl now. That's his new name. <laughs> well,
1: just, just let's just keep an eye on it. Make sure his skin doesn't start falling off. or all the horrific things that come with that
0: yeah yeah so there we go but it's it's you know the the point of all that being here's a guy like yourself started off in the trade and you know 35 years later is still doing stuff in the trade but applying all of those skills to another form of engineering feat and and making it all work so the same skills just applied to different motors and to different mechanical mechanisms kind of all works together i thought it's kind of cool
1: You can you can uh, apply what you know as long as as long as you're sensible about something and you know how to turn a spanner or yeah understand why you turn a spanner. I mean that's one of the first things, know. like why do we use a spanner? Like that's just a simple question that people think is that a trick question, but genuinely people don't understand that we need mechanical leverage or we need a we need a tool that actually fits the bolt we're trying to remove. Yeah, yeah. if it's got twelve points, we don't want to use a six point.
2: <laughs>
1: kind
0: of, people don't think about I mean, I
1: mean, that
0: it's amazing no, no.
1: We, it was, it's weird because we I was, yesterday I was doing a got a, a Porsche uh, 968 Club sport and we're doing a full suspension upgrade on it so I was taking the rear drive shafts out and one of the bolts had been rounded off by somebody using the wrong tool before and then hammering it in so I didn't know which one, which tool they'd use. So I couldn't have, I couldn't have the same tool. Then. So they know, hammer, chisel, mole grips and 45 minutes later, a, a five minute job is completed. Um, and, and, and this is it's real real problem on you know, this use of tools. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And, and the amount of times I've seen, I mean, I've seen people take, they take these type of bolts out or try to take them out with air tools. Yeah. And the problem with an air tool is once it slips, it's too late. Yeah. So I,
0: I am Glenn. I'm constantly amazed at, you know, the, the mechanics or the technicians, maybe they're actually just the, you know, the, the guys who clean the shop, who, you know, get given the permission and, times. And I'm not talking about a legitimate garage. I'm talking about some of these, you know, the, you know, the garages I'm talking about side of the road, you know, you got the ramps on the dirt kind of thing. You know, you, you have no idea where these folks got any training, if they have any training or if it's just, you know, learned on, along the way, who are so keen and jolly to get out the old air tool to do any kind of repair. And they don't, you know, and, and folks like myself who might just look at it and say, hey, he knows what he's doing, don't realize the damage that they're doing to those parts to the point that when they then have to re- reapply it or re-put it back in, they got to hammer it in because they've stripped it or broken it or, or done whatever.
1: Yeah, one of the worst ones is um, suspension work using air tools on suspension work. Partly because you need to tighten things down evenly and accurately, Uh, and in a a sequence with with preferably with weight on the vehicle. And then the other the other issue with it is suspensions exposed to the road and dirt and everything else. So if you've got an issue, if something's hit the threads on the or or if you're taking a nut off of some exposed threads, uh, people don't even go in and clean it. You know, they don't, and it's, and it sounds like, uh, sounds like overkill, but you might do a thousand, let's say you might do a thousand dampers from a car, but the one that strips the threads on the nut or the, or the stud, and you're not going to be able to get the new nut and the stud or the bolt, whatever it may be. The car can't go anywhere. The car literally cannot go anywhere. It's immobilizing. So what do
0: you, what do you do in that situation? Re-thread it? Do you, how, how do you make it work? depends how it goes. I mean, sometimes
1: you end up with things breaking, you can over tighten things and they'll break. Um, it's different here to what we have problems wise in in British market where I've worked before. In, in the UK, everything seized. Mm. Same it would be the same in Canada. It's cold. There's a yeah. lot of salt on the road during the winter. It's wet. So everything's all, every anything that's steel is automatically going to corrode. You, you know, you just, and everything seizes together. Yeah. Uh, tie tie rods um, impossible to loosen sometimes and without any heat you've got to use heat on the ball joints same sort of thing and the amount of times that you'll start going to pull something off and before you know it it's broken you've broken a stud you've broken a ball you've stripped a nut so you end up then with a component that needs to be replaced, and often you're not actually trying to replace that component; you're just removing it to do something else, or mm. trying to adjust it. Uh, somebody has to pay for that, and when it's negligence on the part of the mechanic, it's not fair to tell the customer that they need to pay. Yeah. So this is—it's just about being careful, and and if you if you explain to you, if you explain to the customer or if you explain to the person that, that you're doing the job for, friend, family, whatever it may be. But look, I need to take the time here and do it right, and this is how I'm going to do it right, then that, that's cool. I think a lot of people just worry that people need their car back straight away and that's mm. as quick as they can. Mm. Nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, they might they might succeed and, and dodge a bullet. The problems are that one that you fail on is going to tell more people about what you did to their car than, than the people that you didn't fail on. Or the ones that you didn't fail on, the next time you come to work on it, you've got a problem because you've stretched the bolt because you've over-tightened it with the air gun or, yeah. you know, you've had the situation where you couldn't get your wheel nuts off.
0: Yeah, air tool. And, and yeah. hey, I don't... And, and just as you're saying... I don't go back to those guys. Like I will never ever go back to those guys and I'll never recommend them to anyone either, because clearly that was an air tool issue. They, they, you know, put the, put the lug in with an air tool. It wasn't threaded correctly. They wrecked the thread. And then when I needed to take off the tire, I broke the studs and that was it. I, you know, and there I am, I'm left with these, you know, uh, uh, getting a uh, getting a recovery vehicle, getting those things pulled out, and now I'm at, I'm without a vehicle for a day because it's uh, of a stupid mistake.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly right. You, yeah, etals are air tools are good. They're good for they're good for removing nuts and bolts and tightening them up. Sometimes in situations where you know they're not going to go as tight as you need to, but ultimately. Mm-hmm if there's a nut or a bolt on a car, there will be a torque setting for it. There's torque settings for the screws that hold the plastic under trays on cars. Manufacturers will provide torque settings, whether that's two and a half newton metres or not. There's still a torque setting for it. And the reason for that is the material, the the size, the length, everything considered. This is the safest tightness to use. Um, So whilst I don't torque under tray screws, that's just not something that I do, it's something on a suspension system or anything else really on the car. You really need to talk it up. You know, drain Even drain plugs on, on, on engine subs, the amount of times that you get problems with them because a lot of them are aluminium now. Yeah, And even the ones that went back to steel, then they then sometimes had an aluminium plug or, a, or even now they have plastic ones.
0: Really? A plastic you know? plug?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you don't tighten them properly, you're going to strip them. So the amount of times we get a car in for a service, which is a 45 minute job. And then we can't stop the oil leaking out after putting the new sump plug in because the last person didn't replace it or they over tightened it and the threads have been damaged. And then obviously we're left there sort of, we're left holding the baby so to speak. We've got to then say to the people, uh, yeah, that, that few hundred derms you're expecting for your service, we actually now need to machine the sump and put a new thread in it, helicoil, new drain plug, blah, blah, blah. The story goes on Uh, and it it happens all the time. We've had cars in for service where we actually can't get to them because they've completely surrounded the drain plug with silicon because they couldn't stop it leaking for the sake of a tender and drain plug.
0: So, yeah, I, you know, the, the number of times I, cause I remember, you know, back in the day and I'm now I'm sounding like the old guy back in the day, changing the oil in the driveway and I'd go and get my, my oil filter and inside the oil filter would be a couple of, of cork or rubber sealers to be used for yeah. the drain plug. And the guys always said, "Hey, don't over tighten the thing. Just tighten it until it's snug. You don't have to, yep. you know." And and that was is pretty common sense. And and now, like you said, you get people who clearly have no idea about auto mechanics, not even how to change oil correctly. Like they've been walked through it, but the number of times I see people putting Teflon uh, tape around the the, the plug, and, and they're not just putting one or two. They're they're wrapping it and wrapping yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm watching. Know. I'm going, "What are you doing?" And they're wrapping it and they're they're talking to you, and they're still wrapping. And then they're fitting it in, and then they're they're they're, they're wrenching it closed. And I'm just kind of like, dude, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please!
1: No, it's, it's 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 frightening. And, and like you say, one of the one of the things that unfortunately we we don't really have much control of here is there's no sort of there's no trade apprenticeships really here. Yeah, the, 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 there's not many trades where they'll have an apprentice here uh, i suppose in the country we're in we're a bit of a we're a we're obviously a, a, a travel hub for both tourism and cargo but also we've got a massive massive majority of the population of this country that is that is um, an immigrant yeah you know, we're, yeah we're, we're part of the majority in this country as a group of immigrants and A lot of people will put their children through school here at great expense and they kind of oversee the value of an apprenticeship. And also, you know, we're relatively young as a country and and, and legislation isn't necessarily in place and and processes in place to have that as a manageable situation. You know, having a 16-year-old child effectively running around a workshop like this is not exactly Mm -hmm. safe if it's not managed. Yeah. And with four or five different languages being spoken as first languages and everyone trying to come together typically on English, mistakes can be easily made and it's and it's a risky business. So I, I do understand why we aren't there yet, but the the moment that was to happen, the moment you get a position where people are being pushed towards vocational studies and and and, and as I say a, a vocational apprenticeship then people will then be taught the value of what it means to be trained and qualified. Mm. That's not something that we have here at the moment. And you know, I know for what, you know, for what you do, you actually, you do get to give sort of practical demonstration and practical teaching and practical assessment, but there, there's nothing, there's nothing that I know of in our trade where you can be trained to do this job. In this country, apart from applying for a job and and learning the ropes, and I think that's unfortunately what happens at a lot of the oil change centers. They just take basic labour. Mm. Uh, you know, people looking for work. Uh, we're all economic migrants at the end of the day. People looking for work, and then they'll say, "Well, that's you know, an oil change is simple. That's fine." And an yeah. oil change is simple. Well, I mean, it's not rocket science. Especially yeah. if they a lot of the times you, you as the customer drive it onto the lift and then you'll get out the car, they'll lift the car up, they'll drain the oil out, or sometimes suck the oil out.
0: I never seen, I've never seen them suck oil out. Is that something people are doing occasionally? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. Sucking the oil out save time. If the filter's on the top of the engine, uh-huh. they'll literally just suck the oil out,
0: All
1: right. pour it back in, and then change the filter, and then they don't even have to lift the car up. There's no risk then, obviously, of what we're talking about, with the drain plugs or the yeah. filters being over and and where you go, and they'll they'll have the thing done in less than ten minutes. Wow! Uh, and it's all about volume, but there's absolutely no care there for quality. Mm. And you know, there's 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 more cons to sucking out the oil than there is pros, put it that way. Um, but it's, it, I think it's an oil change is the first job that you kind of do as an apprentice. You know, the, then the next one is sort of changing brake pads. You might change a tire on end, or you might. You might work out how to adjust the tire and then these kind of basic things yeah. that everybody learns as an apprentice people don't really get the opportunity here there's, mm-hmm. there's none of that here and, and the dealerships being as they are with a the monopoly there's no culture for apprenticeships because they don't really need to worry about the future they'll just take more yeah you know economic migrants in as, as, as workers so well, um, it, I, I, it, it's a strange one.
0: I I always hope, and I know that that HCT Higher Colleges of Technology was was doing some stuff with with GM and looking at some of those repair issues and 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 hopefully you know I I hope that that folks who are living here and 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 making the UAE home whether they're Emiratis or expats I I hope along the way that that we do start to see more of this happening and and who knows maybe COVID will is is that great reboot to say, hey, we've got to be more self-sufficient in so many different ways. That it, it'll it'll create more of an impetus to to dive into the trades a little bit more, and I I think as you said that's a real big big challenge in this part of the world is is trades, and everyone wants to be the manager, right? And it's it's my own kids, right? They all want to be the managers. No one wants to jump in at a job on ground zero and work their way up. It's like no, I want to come in three quarters of the way into the organization, and it's like yeah, let's let's jump into some trades for a while work with our hands and, and learn some of these mechanical things. And, and Hey, let's, let's face it, right? What, what are the, what are the fields right now that, that are are doing pretty good? If, if they're working auto repair, maintenance of homes and, and haircutting salons, everyone wants to get their haircut. People need to get their cars fixed and you need to get your stuff repaired at your, your home. Three very hands-on types of industries that that are very trade oriented and and you know what they they kind of weather the the storm on so many different fronts and
1: it's like man yeah it's... i mean it, it would make sense for for, for that and, and and i think also if there was that kind of there was that kind of culture here with being an apprentice and it kind of it, oh it oh, adds to the and, and lends itself to the actual Environment then that people would sort of culture to make people think of this as a lifelong home. You know, you've been here a long time, James. There are other people I know that've been here twenty plus years, like yourself. But it's that's a changing story now. Yeah. When I first came here, everybody would say, "Oh, you know, yeah, how long you been here?" And I'd be like, "Oh, a few months or a year or so." And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I only came here for a couple of months and 35, 40 years later, I'm still here. And that was the case. That was everybody you met. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I was like so young when I came here. I remember, I remember walking to mall of the Emirates. I lived just close by mall of the Emirates. And I walked into the mall to meet the general manager. And it was a Thursday evening and, uh, he and his wife were going to take me for something to eat, to watch a film in the cinema. And, um, I think we watched the first Avengers one, but, uh, as I walked in, she said, oh, what are you doing here? You're too young to even leave your mother. <laughs> and it's like, and it was, I was like, look, I never met anybody my age yeah. for, for, for really for, for like years.
2: Yeah.
1: Three, three, four years before I'd met somebody my age, at like my sort of mid-20s. And I, I didn't understand any other different way, but that's kind of changed now. the demographics getting a bit younger here. People moving, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think if we could, we could culture an environment of, no, no, this is a place to settle and live. Healthcare is great. Schools are great. You know, look at the Museum of the Future, which gives us an idea of where this place wants to go. Why would you not want to stay
0: here? Brett? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely.
1: But what is there? Uh, not everyone can go to university and, like you say, not everybody can be a manager.
0: You know, you know, you, you actually point out a good one because there's, there's this, there's this real push, right? Everyone wants, there's all all this talk of, well, you've got to go to university and people want to send their kids to university. I teach at a university and I don't think everyone needs to go to university nor should go to university. And I think we're, we're sort of over pushing. Our higher education of one type—it's like go to university. I'm thinking the whole yeah. trade, you know, work going to the college, you know, college system, a lot like HCT. And I know I'm shooting myself in the foot here because I don't teach at HCT yeah. in a sense we're competition at Zaid University. But I think there's a, a huge segment who fit very nicely into the college segment of of education. And I say that having one son that went to university, one son that went to college, the son who went to college is done and doing his trade. The son who went to university has flipped around a few times and ultimately probably should have gone to college as well. And he would have been where he (laughs) needs to be. But he got caught in the, the trap of, well everyone says I need to go to university and, and that's what everyone's doing and we kinda looked at him and said, You don't need to go to university if you don't want to go. You know, you go to where you go to where you're gonna get served the best and where you're gonna get the education that you want that fits what you're doing. And if that's in a college format, then go in a college format. I do not care. And and my kids would always go. You know, even one of them switched degrees, and he and he looks at looks at you know my wife and myself sheepishly uh, when he did this. He says, "Look, I want to I want to change out of this degree into that degree." And he and he says, "Are you going to be mad?" And I said, "I don't care." I said, "Is that what you want to do?" I said, "If that's what you want to do, do well, what you love question. and finish. All I want to know yeah. is that you're going to finish because I've invested." In all of this education so far, <laughs> like we're past the point of no return, <laughs> and so you know that that becomes that whole whole side of things, isn't it? Um, and I know I've caught you at that the crazy time as you've got your your clients there, but it's I I think ultimately I think we're we're heading towards that time of our lives where we're going to see more reasons why people do stick around. we're going to see more reasons when people are looking at entrepreneurialism and, and starting to say, I mean, much like yourself, you set up your own garage. you you got to the point where you said, I've worked for too many other garages and there were some great garages. Don't get me wrong. But it's like you know what I'm going to do it the way it needs to be done, and I think that's you know again goes back to where it did. Did you study business? No, you studied a trade, and look what you've done. You've taken the trade down into a business. It's like, so
1: yeah, I think that it, there's there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for actually understanding the the business you're in and having worked in as many sides of that business yeah as possible. And I think that that that's that that's something that. The really successful people these days have actually managed to do uh, and, and they, they, they put the hours in ridiculous hours you know absolutely mental 24 hours a day literally working but, but they're, they're, they're really successful but then again the other thing is how do you measure success yeah you know we, we we've said this before and obviously we're, we're a car podcast but so we'll mention them again but tesla no, they've, they've turned to profit they're profitable and they're doing well and people seem to want their cars I, I don't know how well they're going to age and I don't know how how far down the line of new models and facelifts and sort of evolution of the brand they are with with their plans I don't know where they're going to go with that but whether or not they are a profitable business you cannot say anything other than they're successful yeah. it wouldn't have mattered about now, to an economist, that's nonsense. You've got to make money to be a success. But I can tell you now, the next year or two years here, the only training that myself and any of the staff here will do will be for EVs.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: EV training, and and it'll be to start with. It'll be me and that um, mate DJ who's coming to work with us. That will probably go back to the UK and do some EV training we'll try and pass that knowledge on to the staff um, and we get back having done it. And then we'll just keep up with that. Yeah. Now that's, that's a hundred percent. That's because of Tesla. There's no other way around it. There's no way all of the, all those the car manufacturers were going hydrogen. Yeah, Honda even Honda even had hydrogen. There's hydrogen stations in some parts of California. So, that's where, where I was going and, and it's and it's just so happened that Tesla came out with the iPhone of cars and everybody wanted it. Yeah. So it changed the industry and that to me is a success whether or not you whether or not you you're making money now they are making money and they're doing okay. You know they're going to be sending people to the moon I don't, and Mars and all sorts of places. I don't know what's going to happen when Elon Musk <laughs> end up on Mars
2: there'll be anyone
1: left and he's, he's selling all his houses and all that stuff but Cars are cars are going and and it's what we've said before, this is a trade that I can wear a white shirt. Yeah. And I can still sit in the office, okay. It's hot and sweaty. And of course it's dirty and you've got to be careful you're washing your hands between working on a vehicle and meeting a customer, for example. But like we said before, mechanics should have dirty hands, but they should be presentable, they should be neat and tidy because the job is that I've got a I'm looking now at the door of the office. I've got Cadillac like Escalade in.
0: Oh, I the love those cars. I love the. I love the Escalade. Which year? Fifteen. Oh man, I'd take one of those any day. Interior, you See, I prefer the Yukon. Okay.
1: Well, it's a really. It is a nice car, but I do prefer the Yukon. Mm. But I've got that in. I've got a Jensen Interceptor next to it. I've got a Mercedes E 500 next to that, and then there's a Bentley Continental GT. <sighs> and the Porsche Cayenne. Now, All those cars have got really, really well engineered. The Jensen is actually the one out there because that's an absolute mess of the vehicle. But the rest of them are amazingly engineered. And if you go to the production line or any part of that whole R&D to construction to being sold. There's not somebody stood there with overalls on covered in oil with the hair no. dripping with oil and grease in, the, in their eyes and, you know, smoking a cigarette. That just isn't the case. The trade doesn't have to be that way. Now, obviously, we're working on dirty cars. They come in dirty. They've got an oil leak. There's grease leaked from something. So, of course, they're dirty. But we don't have to always be working with our hands. We obviously I mean, the the escalator is a good example that it's got a vibration on it going around corners, and the problem was the transfer case. Ah. So we've replaced the transfer case uh, with a rebuilt unit on an exchange basis. Mm. So we've done that. Now we need to set up the motors for the position of the gear and, and everything else. I can't do it because there's a fault with the suspension. The suspension typically originally had an electronic suspension. That was too expensive to keep repairing. So we retrofitted standard suspension, but obviously that stores a fault in the control unit. So we've got to bypass that so that the control unit isn't there on the central electrics and that's all been written in with software. Now I'm just going to do that with the laptop, plug it in and an hour later that's finished. Mm. That's that's not that's that's something that's a computer science yeah job. That's somebody who writes code, and we've seen it with the guys that did the the hack on the new Jeep Grand Cherokee about a year ago. They drove up side by side, and they they managed to get a connection to their phone kit or whatever it was, and then they hacked into the car and shut the engine off and made it turn and steer itself. And yeah, and these are the this is the way cars are going now. So so it's a completely different industry, and, and I think. I think anybody that's anybody that's sort of narrow-minded enough to not actually say that we need to accept that Tesla forced all of this change on everybody, or at least accelerated it. It was probably going to come, but they accelerated it. They, all of a sudden, overnight, Tesla had a self-driving car. Yeah. Well, where the hell did it come from? <laughs> now, Google and, and, and is it Waymo or whatever it is in, in, in America, they've done like a million miles or something testing. And you see the cars out there testing. There's always photographs of them testing. There's none of that testing. Just yeah. all of a sudden just come out and Elon Musk driving the 2000 miles completely autonomously. Yeah. It's like, where did that, how, how has that happened? Yeah. And, and, and it's just, and, and it's a mark of success in my opinion. And and, and the, the way the trade is going is, is that way. There's there's no, there's no doubt about it. It's, 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 we're still going to need to swing hammers. We're still going to need to turn spanners. But we're not going to be doing solely the typical mechanical job. And, and, and mechanical engineers are going to have to do – they're going to have to be software engineers. They're going to have to be computer scientists. They're going to have to have a lot more to them. And and, and it's and it's going to be the same. It's already in that way, obviously, and it has been for years with aircraft, you know, it's it's already been that way for a long time, and some a lot of the uh, boats now, especially ones the um, sort of cruise lines. So these things are these things in engineering they've just caught up, and now it's going onto cars, and it's become so cheap that it's mm. easy to have as an individual used car. Yeah, and this is the way it's going, and and it, and it's good, it's exciting, it's it's good to be part of it. It's, it's it must be the same the same for the guys that taught me when when I first started, when you know they would have worked. It would have worked before diagnostic tools. I remember we had a really old diagnostic tool which you used to use on the old Porsches, and it was literally just an LCD screen about that big. And you'd have to plug it in, and then you'd have to wait and make a note of the dots that went across, and then you'd have to translate that and tell you what the fault code was.
0: A little, a little Morse code, okay.
1: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So it was, it's it's in, in 25 years' time, somebody in my position – We'll be having a completely different conversation with somebody in your position if they're doing mm. a podcast about the same
0: stuff. Because it'll be totally different. I, I actually you talked about the longevity of Teslas. I saw a Tesla the other day, and I, it, it was it was passing me on Sheikh Mohammed's Zayed road, and in behind it was a Mercedes that kind of looked like the Tesla. And I really thought that the Mercedes guys had changed the trim on it was a a GT something or other. I'll have to look it up right now. But, you know, the, the big, the big mom backing giant Mercedes that looks like a, a jelly bean looked a lot like the Tesla. And the thing I noticed about the Tesla, it wasn't a new model Tesla. And I wondered as I was looking at it, and and some of the trim no longer lined up like it used to. So I don't know if they'd, they'd been in an accident, if they'd had replacement parts, but it wasn't. I was looking at it and I was going, you know, cool. It looked nice and it was clean, but it the lines weren't working on something. And I think I'm pretty sure it was a first gen. And I was just yeah. kind of like, huh, that build quality. You know, I'm looking at the Mercedes and I'm going, whew, and I'm looking at the Tesla and I'm going, yeah, it's a really nice car, but that would just bug the heck out of me. This, this, the the lines not working at that moment.
1: Yeah. I think one of the, that's one of the reasons I worry about them, that they're so tight with the panel gaps and they're so sort of smoothed out. The whole thing is smooth. I don't know how well that's going to age from a, Yeah from a purely aesthetic point of view. And then you've got the issue of, like you say, a couple of accidents later. Let's be realistic. There's more cars on the road than ever before. So accidents happen more frequently than ever before. So not all vehicles have, you know, awareness of other vehicles. Like Teslas are aware of each other and they've got the self-drive option and all this, but not all vehicles are like that. Take the C500 down the road and you've got two pedals and a steering wheel and that's the only option you've got to communicate there's no, it's not doing anything else for you, so I think it, that that's one of the things I'm worried about with Tesla. However, you know they've been doing it for 15 years now, pretty much, I suppose. Yeah, at least uh, at least at least 10 with producing cars. I think the first um, the first it the, the little Roadster or whatever it's called it's the, that, that, that's all it's over 10 years old, I think now. So there's no way. There's nothing to say that now they are making a profit and now they might see that it's a viable business, that they're not going to continue doing so. And they, you know, all it takes is a little bit, like we said, with Kia and Hyundai, you know, they go and make the right acquisition from an executive or a designer or a engineering standpoint from one of the Mercedes, as you mentioned, or BW group or somewhere like that, BMW. Then all of a sudden the whole game changes Because then they are. Then no longer can people just say, "Oh, well, Tesla's not to make cars." They're not General Motors. They're not Ford. They've got no idea. They've got no history, no pedigree. Blah blah blah. That can't be the same. You can't say that after 25 years, 30 years. So it's very interesting. I look forward to see where it goes. I mean, the Tesla stuff is—it's a little bit, maybe not quite my thing to look at right now. And maybe that's why my. Judgment is a little bit skewed. (laughs) It might not necessarily look well in in, in five or ten years' time, but it's just a sign of the times. I suppose it's a little bit like leg wands in the 80s. People just wore them and thought they were cool. It didn't last very long
0: you know you know it's funny when you start looking at car shapes and i'm just looking through at at all of these things and i you know some of these different mercedes are kind of cool and they're kind of odd uh we we were talking about bmw's not so long ago and i i've got to take a picture of my neighbor's place one morning because the entire fleet is there and they've got a a an an x6 an x7 and a no, Tahoe. I know, I know. And I'm looking at both of those, of those vehicles and I'm going, wow, they're, they are. And, and you put sort of put the bug in my ear because you, you were talking about what they're like and what they do and, 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 and what you like and don't like about them. And it got me really looking at how different they are. But then they have the Tahoe, which is beside that. And I'm looking, I'm going, oh, this is, this is getting really interesting because I'm wondering what the thought process was in the family. And then beside that, they have an Audi A6. And I'm going, or an A8. They have an, a, they have an Audi. And I'm going, this is a really interesting family of vehicles to all be driving. But those two Beamers, I'm not sure what I think. I know. What I think.
1: <laughs> have you seen that, that, that abomination of a car, the X4? Now, yeah, uh, I don't. It's
0: I'm been, not. I'm not sure about the so X I, I don't understand so what they've done there.
1: What are they doing? And it's like, Audi did the same thing with the A2 years ago, and now BMW have done. There's an X2. Yeah, and it's like any car that has a two on it is just doomed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know who's buying them. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't ever been in one either. So, I you know, I'm ta- I'm purely talking here from exterior conversation, but I I just I mean, they're small, they're compact. I, I you know, they're not they're not inexpensive vehicles. I guess you get the engineering, but I don't know if it's the vehicle you want to own. It's a very strange thing. Why would I buy not just go buy a Kia at that point? So, yeah, two gear, exactly. I, I,
1: I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a BMW fan. And I, I do understand the attraction to them until about five, six years ago, they were, you know, I kind of got it from a, okay. They look pretty good, but man, why are they doing it? I mean, the X six is a shocking car to look at, in my opinion. Mm. And the X four is just a small version of it. And obviously, you know, you've know, you got the X5, which has been around for a long time, the X3, and then, fortunately, the even worse, X1. They've been around for a fair while, but they've sort of gone in between now with coupe versions of, of these cars. So we've got the X2, the X4, and the X6, and I just don't get it. And then they have the X7 on top as a 7-seater. I just yeah. don't get it. I really, I, I just, I, I, I've never really, now I know people that like them that really, really like them you put them side by side with any of the car and they no, no, I want the X6 and there's something that you know, it's all subjective I suppose but I don't I just don't like them at all, I don't see the point of them, the Mercedes the GLE the big sort of kind of the X6 oh yeah, yeah one. I mean I don't really like those but you know there's one thing about those, they just look like they just look like a they just look that's powerful. The, the, they, just, the, they just look really meat whereas the BMWs don't have that. The, they look clumsy.
0: The GLE coupe is the one that that's the one that I saw the other day with the Tesla. You know, they were back to back. And and as the GLE coupe was behind it, I'm looking at it going, that thing just remind it it it, it had the same kind of it's almost like the the tail lights of it were so similar to a Tesla. I mean, I was taking a second look going, okay, yeah, that's definitely a Mercedes and that's definitely a Tesla from the back. They were almost kind of looking the same to me. There was, there was a lot of similarity and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because I actually really like the look of that car. So, uh, again, never been in one, but I think it looks really cool and it's giant, but I was really surprised at, at some of the similarities.
1: Yeah, it's uh, like we've said before. You know the way cars are made now, and, and, and the, the R and D that goes into them, that they all look the same. Yeah, production methods are, are, are done to a cost, and, and and they all have to be as aerodynamic and, and as cheap to produce as possible. So unless you're talking, I mean, it's no coincidence that something like the Rolls Royce and the big sort of Bentleys of this world aren't the most aerodynamic, mm. and that's because. They're made to look how they want them to look. Forget yeah. about the aerodynamics. Well, that's two, a, three miles per gallon
0: anyway. <laughs> that's a Jeep Wrangler. There's no aerodynamism with a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, well,
1: it, you know that that's the same. You know the Landro. I mean, it's. I hope the, I hope the same that happened with the Defender doesn't happen to the Wrangler. So when they, they got rid of the Defender and now they have totally revamped it and it's come back and it looks like a. It, it looks like a concept drawing. From yeah. the '80s that they've actually turned into a car, which okay, fair enough. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, and I'm sure it'd be a good car. But the the defender looked like the defender for a reason, yeah. And the Wranglers, stayed kind of true to that. The interiors obviously been upgraded over the years, and the shapes remain the same. And 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 that we've said this before. I just want people to, people to make cars that are true to what they are. Yeah. Want to have a car that looks like and I understand there's there's fuel economy and aerodynamics and everything that goes into it and production costs but you know their cars have a bit of something because if we all go to self-driving autonomous independent or shared pods that just take us around cities and a bit like the Jetsons then there's just nothing to that nobody's going to you know my business will die because nobody's going to want the car looking after because nobody will have a car yeah, uh, but that, that that's just the that's just the sort of end game that I can see happening if, if things carry on this way. Out. Hopefully, the whole sort of reusable energy revolution that we're in the middle of protects what we've got now, so that people with internal combustion are people that love them. Yeah. So then, for somebody like myself who's looking after them and appreciates what people enjoy, then you know we'll still have the work of looking after them
0: I, I I thought it was interesting Glenn Mahindra the Mahindra guys and i I've, I've seen a couple of their pickup trucks around me these days uh, they they yeah. got taken to court for creating a knockoff wrangler
1: <laughs> did you see that yeah and and, and
0: they lost yeah <laughs> they lost I mean it really did look like a wrangler boys <laughs> it's, like it, it's it was pretty pretty spot on <laughs> i was I was laughing at that well, you know
1: at least, and that's the other, I think it was Land Rover, that, Jaguar Land Rover, that won another a similar case a while ago about, over the Range Rover revolt, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and and the problem is, so what? I think in the case, so <laughs> what, what happens is nothing that they can stop them making a car that looks like that. They'll just go make a car that looks like something else. Yeah. And ultimately, all these manufacturers, we've seen it with Volvo, uh, we know about it with Volkswagen Group, they end up making. Uh, production deals with the Chinese production anyway. Yeah. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. What's the long term game here?
0: Yeah. Partnership. So, uh, That's it. It's a game. Yeah. Let's see how we can partner it up. Oh man, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, uh, Glenn. I hate to do this, but I see the clock is ticking, and I know that you got a lineup of people uh, at your desk as as they you know they want to get their cars out and
1: and people just keep coming in and passing me notes. <laughs> I need to check. I mean, I don't even know
0: what this is. So I have no idea. <laughs> See, that's the life of being a small business owner. You're, you've just got notes being passed to you, phone calls. I need your help. I, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of the day to, to have this conversation. And we'll, we'll jump back in again really, really soon because you know yeah. what? PowerWorks is where it happens. And you're answering the questions that people have and, and giving great, great commentary <laughs> and opinion on the state of the industry and beyond. And, and I, I just love having the conversation. So I want to keep dialing in. And you know what? PowerWorks is found on Podaholics. You want to get in touch with us, Podaholics with a K at gmail.com. You can find us across all the socials, Podaholics with a K. We're even on YouTube. I don't know how you're listening to us, but however that is, give us a rating. Let us know what you're thinking and uh, we'll do our best to make your listening pleasure something that puts a a big smile on your face. This has been PowerWorks with Glenn Power right here on Podaholics.